Welcome back to Gal on the Go Unplugged. My guest today is Andrea Jens, a professional dancer and dance educator for more than 25 years. She was born outside of Pittsburgh, where her love of ballet flourished at a very young age. Miss Andrea's first summer ballet intensive was with American Ballet Theater in New York. Her training and performing continued with exciting opportunities at Pittsburgh Ballet Theater, the Chautauqua Ballet, and the Cincinnati Ballet, just to name a few. I met Miss Andrea at Rhythm Street Dance, where she is the instructor of my adult ballet class. I shared with her how I was forced to take ballet as a child and had a bad experience with a nasty instructor body image issues, and terrible stage fright at recital time. I returned to ballet recently in an effort to write my past on my terms. On the first day of class, Miss Andrea immediately put me at ease and has been very encouraging with my goal to relearn the dance form in a positive environment. Welcome to the show, Miss Andrea. Thank you very much, Kimberly. It's so nice to be here with you. And it's really so nice to have you in my adult ballet class at Rhythm Street. Well, it's been an amazing experience and I can't wait to share with others, um, you know, about your fascinating background. Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, who or what sparked your interest in taking ballet and making it your life passion? Well, I'll have to share. It was my family. Um, my family was very supportive in myself and my older sister and my younger sister. My father was where the talent came from. My father was a natural social dancer in, in the 30s and 40s. And it really, um, it really did spark some natural talent in myself and my two siblings. Very cool. Um, and so interesting that, you know, it would be your father that was the one that would have influenced you. Um, so did either of your sisters go on to be professional dancers like you? Well, no, my older sister did pursue uh, dance through college and danced in a small company with her college. Uh, my younger sister was very talented, very much of a jazz dancer and very good. But no, it was me. I knew from a young age, very young age, when I first started, that I just had a love for this art form. Oh, and what was your favorite aspect of being a ballerina? Well, for me, believe it or not, it was the training. I learned at a young age with my very first ballet teacher to really fall in love with the ballet class, uh, the bar work. And then, you know, once you start succeeding in the ballet classroom, even if it's little, little steps of improvement, um, and then when it's time to perform, you get to fall in love with being on stage and the audience and the lights and the costumes. And yeah, I can't say enough about being in beautiful ballet costumes and crowns and, and makeup and all the great things that go along with being prepared to do a performance. 
Well, what little girl doesn't like to dress up? So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Even my big girls that I get to still teach, um, when they get their costumes, it's a it's a special day for any student when it's costume day to because I usually let them during class wear their costumes to practice their performance, whatever we're working on for their performance. Oh, that's a great idea because it helps you get used to it. So when you're you know, you show up for your recital. It's not like the first time that you're adding on like, you know, the pressure of like a crowd and remembering your choreography and wearing your costume for the first time. So that's really um, very smart and kind of you to encourage them to get used to it ahead of time. Yeah. And I usually let them once they put their costumes on for that class, when, when that's the day that they get their costumes, I let them keep them on through the whole the whole end of the class because it's really kind of special for them to do their choreography and their costumes. That's also a time for me to check if there's any problems or need repairs or size issues. Those kind of details um, do fall on us dance educators to make sure so that everybody, when it's time for show, everybody you are looks ready. beautiful. Yeah, you're <laughs> ready. Exactly. So, okay, who is your favorite professional dancer and why? It could be when, you know, who it was when you were growing up, currently. Well, I'll have to say when I was growing up, it was uh, Noriev. He was a male, uh, fabulous dancer out of Russia. And then next it was Barishnikov, another male dancer that was just, you know, uh, uh, just a phenomenal male dancer. And, you know, now it's Maria Korova. She is a young 20-year-old who is a prima ballerina, very young, beautiful dancer with the Marinsky. And again, that's with, the, with a Russian ballet company. I also have followed um, Julia Kent here at the Washington Ballet. I was very excited years ago when she was brought on board to be the artistic director of the Washington Ballet. So that's just to name a few, okay. but I'll be honest, I follow a lot of ballet dancers, male and female. I'm addicted to seeing what's happening in their lives. Personally now, because with the internet, you can see all that. And then with COVID, I, got, I could watch all that. A lot of these professionals did their bar at home, in their kitchens, in their living rooms. So it was... It was. That's cool that you got a behind the scenes perspective that something positive that came out of something that you would have normally never had exposure to, you know? Um, yes. So that's pretty cool. It was extremely positive, to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, um, what is your favorite venue to perform at in your career and why was it your favorite? Well, I have to say it was my first big um, theater opportunity with the Pittsburgh Ballet, which was Heinz Hall. It's a beautiful old theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was my first opportunity to be in a big theater. I remember walking out, you know, when we first were allowed to go into the theater and dropping my coat and shoes and bags. And they, everybody said, you know, walk around, get, get acquainted with the theater. And I walked right onto the stage and stood in the middle of it and was in awe. 
that this is where our nighttime performance was going to be. So it was Heinz Hall was my first and most favorite. Uh, I think it's cool that your first was also from your hometown. So that's like extra special. Yes, you know? it was. Yes. Now, okay. So, y- you know, the reality of every industry, um, you know, there's good and bad. So in ballet, there's, you know, some stigmas that go with body image, um, you know, and pressure on ballerinas. Uh, did you ever experience or feel any of that pressure yourself? Or do you feel like peers of yours did? Well, I yes, I did. You know, it, it years ago, um, a female dancer was required to be as thin as they possibly could be. Um, and that still is kind of today the same thing. Um, the only thing that's now happened in the dance world and the professional, even across all the dance world, is there's plenty of opportunity to be get support, to learn how to have a diet that is healthy, because you have to eat to be able to be at the top of your game. Um, so... Yeah, it, it was, it is a struggle. I think there has been quite a bit of improvement since when I was a young dancer. Um, but I, you know, you have to seek it out. Um, as an educator now and a teacher now of dancers of young, young um, girls and boys, I have taught many young boys. I don't make that an issue. I just don't. I choose to not go down that path unless I see a problem. Um, but I encourage all young students to eat well, drink water. You know, I, I'll have times when I see a student be so tired. I'm like, have you had any snack before you came or do you have a bar? I've given my bars <laughs> to students just because, you know, a lot of times they're running from school and they haven't eaten. And that's not, you know, I, you know, as an educator, it's I feel it's our job to, to try to train them not only in the classroom for ballet, but to train them to be prepared to coming to that classroom. So I love that. I think that's one of the reasons why you're such an incredible, you know, um, teacher and educator, because you go above and beyond and you care about the students as people, not just as, you know, like, oh, it's another student, student number, whatever, you know, Um, that's incredible that you care so much. Well, you know, not every student is going to be a professional dancer or ballerina. But I hope, and my goal has always been, is to teach them to love the art form of ballet or dance so that they can have something to say that when they were a young child, it was very rewarding. And then as an adult like you, coming back to it, it it can be very rewarding exercise. Um, So yeah, that's what I've always tried to do. (laughs) Well, it's incredible. And, um, you know, the students are very lucky. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. 
Now, okay, you had shared once in class that you had also had experienced a mean ballet teacher growing up. Um, and how did you deal with that situation and not let it affect your love for the dance form? Well, I'll say my very first ballet teacher was very encouraging. She was uh, Jaquetti trained. And, you know, that's when I was seven years old. And I trained with her uh, through to about uh, 11. Then as, as I continued to improve so much and had so much really talent in ballet, then after that, I moved to a Russian ballet teacher. Scary, yes, but he was very helpful. I was determined not to let him or anybody stop my passion, stop my goals, and stop my dreams. Was he hard to deal with? Yes. But I just, I, I and honestly, when I did everything he said, I saw the improvement. So I had to believe, I had belief in him, even though his, his demeanor and his manner was pretty rough and tough and unkind. But I learned from that. And to be honest, that's why I don't teach that way. <laughs> so that's a great thing that came out of something negative. Like it taught you, one, it, it, it proved that your passion was so strong that your passion overrode any negativity, you know, that you um, had to deal with. And then also it showed you what you didn't want to be, which is a pretty amazing thing. It shaped you in the best way. Like, right. Um, yeah. And I, I do know that, you know, a lot of, a lot of students have this experience, um, you know, and some young people are better at dealing with it in, with, uh, than others. Um, I do try to gain perspective when I see a child that could possibly be even scared of me. I kind of pick that up and I try to send out little nuggets of encouragement or talk to them after class or just try to make them feel a little more comfortable. And especially, you know, believe it or not, coming out of COVID, these young kids are more and more uncomfortable because they've lost that time of being out into the world or into a studio. So I'm pers- I keep that perspective pretty pretty uh, I'm open and obviously when I see something like that happening. Um so anyway, that's, well, that's that's how I've tried to take my childhood experiences. I think we all learn from good and bad childhood experiences. Yeah, it's a great perspective though to have, you know, um that you see it that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so there's, um, you know, many types of ballet. There's classical Russian, point technique, um, modern. What are the types of ballet classes that you teach? Well, I mentioned that my very first teacher was Jaquetti trained. um, And then I moved to a classical Russian teacher. And in between that, I did attend the ABT uh, Ballet Theater in New York City. So I would say my my teaching style is Russian slash ABT. Um, and Russian is a little severe and a little slower and a little precise. 
not as enjoyable at a young, young age. So it's why I kind of mix it up a little bit um, so that I keep a young child interested and the class moving. And the older they get and the better they get, I'm, you know, you make it a little harder and a little bit more stricter and, and like always, you know, they're ready for that other, more serious, intense style, like and we're harder when they were little right. or harder, harder combinations, harder, you know, the bar is you're learning every week. Kimberly now has had <laughs> a little bit of a little more, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she's doing great. She's doing great. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Um, so what is your favorite ballet move? You know, there's so many combinations, so many moves. What's your favorite one? Well, um, I'd have to say it's a balance, say, slash waltz, slash grand allegro, which is a uh, part of the class that comes towards the end. And it's usually across the floor and it becomes more of a dancing combination. Um, I think that's probably most ballerinas favorite combination, the Grand Allegro. Oh, wow. You'll hear people say that uh, Petit Allegro is their favorite. That's more of a jumpy, slow, fast, jumpy movement. Um, but I'd have to say it is a, a, a waltz Grand Allegro. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. Um, okay. So you, you teach students from fourth grade to adulthood like myself. So I, I hate to ask this, but do you have a favorite age group that you teach and why is that group your favorite? Well, you know, most dance educators, teachers do have a favorite. I have to be very, very honest, I don't. I have for many, many years now taught younger students all the way up to the adult level. I've uh, taught adult classes now for going on, you know, close to 10 years. Um, so I really love just the art of teaching. Um, and I love watching little ones, middle-aged students, and up to the adult students start to really accomplish this art form, which isn't easy. But with repetition and continuing to come to class, results definitely do happen. Even for, you know, even for students that don't have the natural ability, ballet is a slow-moving accomplishment type of exercise. And if a student continues it, results do happen. So I'll have to be honest, I've not had a favorite age or category. I've taught so long from the little to the adult age that I just make the adjustment. I think with experience, that happens. <laughs> I, that's no problem. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So... Uh, again, you know, this is a tough thing to ask, but who is your most memorable student that you've taught and why? Well, Kimberly, there's no way I could, <laughs> I could pick one. I honestly, um, I've taught students that are currently 
uh, achieving high-level training at um, ABT, San Francisco Ballet, Sarasota Ballet, Nashville Ballet, and I've also taught, you know, really preschoolers. Um, I do love when a little one can come up to me or during an exercise and just say, Miss Andrea, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, oh, can we, you know, because we're in the class. And sometimes you just have to let a little one say what they have to say. Uh-huh. Um, and they'll say to me, oh, I just love ballet, Miss Andrea. And that that's that's that just melts my heart. Um, and then I have to be honest, I get tons of little note cards that I've gotten for years. I save them all, which is kind of crazy, but I do. But, you know, a couple last year, um, coming out of a COVID year, I had a young senior graduating from high school, a young girl at Rhythm Street, write me a note that shared how much, you know, she didn't like ballet. And then through the process of learning the art form and learning to love ballet, how much it brought her such ease and, you know, she would come to class and it would like be a relief. And she learned to love to relax through the form of ballet, which is just tremendous. That's amazing. That's a beautiful, like, you know, share um, that that happened. That's- yeah. And I think there's been plenty more, but she was able to articulate in the note. Uh, which is super special. Super yeah. special. Well, okay. So, you know, the passion of ballet has been with you since you were a little girl. When or what about it, you know, um, influenced you to then flip to the other side and become a ballet educator yourself? Well, you know, after I f- finished my professional run, you know, I had no money, I was starving, I had an apartment, you know, all that goes on with being a young adult. And I realized I, I needed to, I needed to switch gears. I didn't leave the ballet world long, I went right into doing some teaching exercise classes. Um, But shortly after that, I realized I probably could be a good teacher. And I never really had that understanding while I was pursuing my career to be a professional um, because I was so driven to get to the point where I could be a professional ballerina. And so then it really kind of just flipped. I flipped and I have had a love of teaching Ever since that, I, th- I think that, you know, the fact that I got such a good foundation that I can give what I was given. Um, I love that you're giving back and something that you care so much about, uh, you know, and paying it forward in that way. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, OK, so y- you've been um, in ballet in, in the field uh, for over 25 years. So you obviously um, haven't had to witness changes. And what are some of the changes that you have seen in such a traditional dance form? 
Well, there are there have been uh, changes in regards, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because I didn't want to miss this topic. Um, I noticed quite a few years ago, five to seven years ago, you know, keeping my eye on various um, ballet companies throughout the United States and Europe, that they were starting to cross train their dancers. And that just had a light bulb go off in me. If a professional company is cross-training, then why can't we be cross-training our students? And so I started you know, teaching what I called a core foot class, which worked on strengthening the core, um, some arm work. It depends on the age of the child. And then moving into the last good 30 minutes of the class, just doing real uh, prioritized foot training or foot strengthening, using bands, using balls, you, you know, doing things that would articulate to strengthen the foot. And the results of that class over these last, you know, five, six years was tremendous. Less injuries, stronger point work, uh, it just was phenomenal. So wow. I, it, it was, uh, and you'll, most all ballet companies recommend if they don't offer it, they recommend their students do Pilates or cross training, uh, strengthening, not talking about lifting weights, Yeah, but um, ballerinas don't want that. They want <laughs> to long lean muscles, but it really has been a very positive um experience for me to give to to learn more about and I've been doing it now you know like I said five to I've been teaching that class five six years that's fascinating um how there's like a crossover that um you know helps in, in unexpected ways uh and is now becoming mainstream and accepted by uh a form that's been you know around for such a long time uh and evolving and open to evolving Yes. And, you know, you learn, you see tennis players are doing it. Everybody, the, the athletic world has, has come to that realization that they can't just do narrowly, yeah. their, you know, specific sport. Yeah. Yeah. The benefit of cross training will enhance whatever sport they are. And, you know, the ballet world figured that out too a long time ago. Um, so it just makes the dancer much more healthier, less prone to injuries. It's really, it's really positive. Well, that's good for everybody. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. so your daughter, Hannah, is a professional dancer in New York City. Um, did you ever think that one of your children would follow in your footsteps? Well, I didn't. But, you know, when I had my children, I have a son who was my first child. And then my daughter was my second child. Um, I could see some natural ability in my son, but I never pushed him. Uh, I just, his, his love for sports and a ball was so much more what, who he was. Um, he and his soccer team back in fourth, fifth grade did take some hip hop classes that they really benefited from, but I never pushed my son even though I do think he would have been a good dancer, for sure. <laughs> um, my daughter, I really 
saw at a young age that she had this um, this tremendous natural spunky talent. Really, honestly, oh. her very first uh, class dance class was at her elementary school. I didn't start her at a dance studio right away. It just happened to be that the elementary school we were a part of offered an after-school program. And I thought, that's a, that's kind of, let's do it. And she, she was jazz. It was a jazz class. And her, her she, yeah, she had it in, she had it in her. I did pull back though. I never pushed her. I, I was a teacher as my daughter was growing up. And I would say to her, you know, this is your mom's love. But if I'd love it to be yours too, but I never pushed her. I really wanted it to be something she wanted to do. I, I love that you struck the balance of, you know, encouraging and, you know, sharing your passion, but with her having the choice, you know, um, it's incredible. Well, and uh, her temperament was not to become a ballerina. I could see that at a young age. When I say she had this sassy, spunky littleness to her, I I encouraged her to do ballet, which she did do all through her dance training. Because to be in the professional dance world, you do need to accomplish. You do need to get good at ballet. There's something about that's the the technique of ballet that spills over into the professional um, jazz, contemporary, uh, modern, not as much tap, but it does help. Ballet helps all forms of, of dance. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't blow her out of the water <laughs> and that she continued uh, to pursue it. And she's doing really, I'm very proud of her because uh, being in New York uh, is a hard, is a very hard game. Um, and I'll have to share. I didn't even get a chance to tell Kimberly, uh, but last night she did receive a rehire for Radio City for next year. Oh, congratulations to her. Yeah, that That's means really that cool. she doesn't have to audition, that if she wants the job uh, again, she has been put on the rehire list. Now she's, um, if you've ever seen the Radio City Rockette Christmas Spectacular, she's not a Rockette because she's not five foot six and above, <laughs> but she's in the ensemble. And that is all the, it's usually 10 or 12 uh, male, female cast that does everything when the Radio City Rockettes aren't on stage. Well, that's very impressive. And it's credit to her to get that offer because that just shows that she's got incredible work ethic that I'm sure goes with the talent, you know, and that's a combination that can't be beat. Well, and I, like back in the beginning of this um, interview, I shared with you how I fell in love with the class, you know, learning to go take the class over and over, you know, it's pretty repetitious but I'll have to share with you, I saw this past week that my daughter was in classes in New York three times. So you don't 
stop doing the basic training when you become a professional. You, you to, to stay at your level, you've got to continue. That dedication is important. Yes. Wow. Very admirable. <laughs> um, oh, well, you know, uh, I know that listeners are going to want to know more information. So to reach out to Miss Andrea, you can contact her by email at a-N-D-R-I-A dot J-E-N-N-E-N-S at gmail.com. Mention Gal on the Go Unplugged in your email so she knows where you're coming from. And thank you so much for taking the time to unplug with me today, Miss Andrea. Rock on. Thank you so much, Kimberly. It's been my pleasure sharing with you.